Blog Talk Radio. One, two, one, two, three, four. Good evening, everybody, and happy Tuesday. Uh, Tuesday, October 6, 2015. Uh, I feel like every week I say, wow, there goes the summer, there goes September, and here we are. Uh, week into October. Um, hard to believe how the time is just blown by. I guess that's what happens when you're busy, happy, and productive. Um, so I do want to apologize up front. I do have a little bit of a cold. So if you do hear me coughing or my voice sounds a little hoarse, I do apologize. Uh, but all of our family members have been sick and, you know, the wonderful illness that goes around. It's a gift that keeps on giving. So I've um, been trying to hydrate myself and get going. So you might hear me sipping some water. So I apologize for that, but uh, look forward to a great show. Uh, so again, welcome to the Career Expert Live, episode 16. Hard to believe we're at 16 episodes already. So we've got about another um, three episodes, and we'll be taking a break again to the six weeks on, one week off. Uh, got some amazing guests planned. Uh, one guest who I can announce is coming up on the 27th, Peter Pasternak from A&E's Flip This House. He is awesome. If you guys remember, he's a gentleman from the Atlanta uh, segment of the show where he would say chop, chop. Uh, world building continues. Uh, real fun guy. Got to know him over the years a little bit. Um, just fun, very inspi- inspirational, and I think you guys will really love him. So looking forward to that. Um, the other guest I'm working on, I can't really say who's who's coming yet, still in negotiations, but uh, we get some really good guests, and uh, hopefully we'll continue to have um, some really good guests periodically here, and we'll do these segments where we focus on specific stuff. Uh, but we do have two follow-up questions on our show of networking last week. Uh, one of viewer basically said, what's a good icebreaker? Again, very, very good question there. Um, and that's one of the hardest things when you kind of get into a room of new people. Um, I always say, you know, if you're at an event, Hey, how are you? My name is Joe. How you doing? You enjoying the show? And that's a very easy, simple uh, transition or icebreaker. Um, a lot of people sometimes focus on the hot weather or cold weather, um, whether, you know, it's kind of tried and true. I like to try to stay away from weather. Um, but I, I definitely like to go for, the, you know, kind of like how you enjoying the show, um, especially any kind of networking events or, you know, you go to these these trade shows where there's all these tracks and things like that. Now, hey, how are you? You know, you join the trade show. What, what, what have you found interesting so far? What booths have you been to? Things like that. Um, or if it's a smaller group, you know, within a corporation, just what department do you work in? How do you like it? What floor are you on? Things like that. Um, just any little thing that, that definitely helps, uh, you know, move the needle along and it kind of gets past that sort of first piece of conversation because let's face it, we've all been in those awkward conference rooms or awkward, you know, uh, meetings where we've had people who just don't, nobody wants to talk and you're eating lunch or something, or you're having, uh, having food delivered and everybody's kind of busy eating and nobody's really talking and, uh, somebody kind of blurts something crazy out, but, uh, it's a great question. So, and those are some, some things that I've used that worked very, very well. Um, and how often to follow up? Um, this was another good question. You know, I mentioned a little bit about it last week about not really necessarily um, being a pest, but, you know, if you're at a trade show or convention or you meet somebody, let's say, at a luncheon or something like that, um, I usually send an email, you know, a day or two later. Hey, it's great meeting you. Um, usually a day is good. And then if you're trying to set something up and you'll hear from, give, you know, give them two or three days. You know, if it's something where it happened on a Friday, give them to the weekend till Tuesday. Mondays are always very busy, or if it's an early in the week thing, like a Monday or Tuesday, give them until Friday, shoot them a nice little note. Hey, just wanted to uh, check in with you and see when you have some time next week. Love to set up some lunch or some time. 
have a great weekend. And that's a great way to end the week. Um, and that works very, very well. So again, great uh, follow-up questions. Uh, keep those things coming and we'll um, really do well with it. So um, I appreciate it. And let's move on here to um, the major news that we have. Uh, unfortunately, we've had another um, school shooting tragedy this time in uh, Roseburg, Oregon at the um, community college. So we do want to take some time and say our thoughts and prayers are um, those lost in another senseless shooting. And I don't really go into politics, but, you know, again, something has to be done here because this is just unacceptable. And again, this goes back to my opinion, you know, raising standards. You know, uh, when you hear these people have have problems and have some mental issues, I mean, clearly there's issues going on. And I've been around people like this, uh, not around somebody that's shot up at school, but I've been around people who had some mental issues. And you see the pattern of depression. And, and the problem is, is we're so busy uh, with work, you know, both parents are working, we're busy on our cell phones, we're playing games, we're texting, we're Facebooking, whatever it is. And we don't take the time to kind of look around our environment. That's a, that's a key thing that we miss. And not saying that we're going to see everything, but the big problem is some, some of these things that we've had with these shootings, these people are very disturbed and they, they put notes, they post this stuff on Facebook and they've even said it and we miss it. And that's very, very scary. So we really have to pay attention to that. Um, but here where I live in Delaware, especially Wilmington, Delaware, um, it does have a high murder rate and crime rate. So I actually proposed a what's called a firewalk. And I've done this and you guys have heard this where you walk on 1200 degree hot coals and to basically break through limiting beliefs and fears. So I proposed a firewalk seminar to the city council of Wilmington uh, to remove illegal and dangerous weapons. You know, I have people turn them in and I do a firewalk. So I walk uh, a foot for every illegal weapon that's turned in, no questions asked. And you know, people are going to say, oh, you know, that's anti-gun. You know, it's not anything like that. And I'm not into politics, as I said, but it's a start. We've got to do something. You know, we got to take action and do something instead of sitting back. And then again, we have the same thing. Like you've heard President Obama said, here we go again, you know, the same tone, the same thing. So my opinion, let's do something. And if we get some illegal weapons, that's fine. And, you know, I'm, I'm for the right to bear arms, but bottom line is, is that we've got a lot of legal weapons going on out there and we need to look and do something. And, um, that's, that's my proposal. So we'll see where that goes, but it's, um, it's interesting. And then locally as well too, but also nationally, uh, DuPont CEO, Ellen uh, Coleman actually resigned, um, late yesterday, turned in her resignation. This will be effective October 16th. So in about 10 days, uh, and this was, I think was a little bit of a shock, but what was interesting was the stock shot up to, um, 10%. So 10% gains, and she makes that announcement. So obviously from from the triad group who tried to take over DuPont in that proxy battle um, back in, uh, I want to say it's March and April, Nelson Peltz from triad group, I think that might have um, done Ellen in a little bit, uh, even though I think she held her ground very well. I think that was right, was kind of on the wall that either Nelson or his group or someone else would kind of come in and try to do the same thing with DuPont. I just think that there's uh, going to be a major shift that's going on with, um, with DuPont, but um, it's unfortunate, but she got a very good package apparently. And uh, I'm sure she'll land on her feet. <coughs> Excuse me. All right. So I uh, told you I had a little bit of a cold, so I do apologize again. Um, so let's move on to our daily job cuts and dailyjobcuts.com. It's your source for job information and job cuts. Um, Air France is up to 5,000 um, employees that are going to be let go over the next couple months, and this is due to restructuring. ConocoPhillips, 10% uh, of its Alaska workforce, they're beginning layoffs, and we mentioned ConocoPhillips um, a few months ago, but they are starting workforce layoffs. Patriot Coal, um, sell of its assets that occurred over the last couple of months, uh, 2,000 of its workers in the West Virginia locations will be let go. 
Sun Edison, which is the world's biggest clean energy developer, is laying off 15% of its workforce. And as we mentioned previously, LA Times, up to 50 of its staff being let go, and this is an advertising uh, division. Uh, looks like this is actually holding true to what we first reported, um, and they will be um, letting go of 50 people. Uh, Delta Airlines uh, indicated it's going to be laying off somewhere in the neighborhood of its um, – it has 10,000 management positions, and they said somewhere in the neighborhood uh, of whatever it is to a couple thousand. Uh, they didn't give any specific numbers, but they'll occur pretty soon. Uh, I would imagine probably within the next month or two, we'll hear more on Delta Airlines, but it wouldn't surprise me out of those 10,000, maybe two to 3,000, some initial cuts we'll see. And then ConAgra Foods, as we've reported, they have confirmed 1,500 layoffs so far. So we'll see where that, uh, where that takes them. But those are the job cuts. And again, we like to provide that to, to everybody because it's a great source to find out trends and, and news. And some people don't hear information going on in their company. We like to report stuff, even stuff with, you know, the DuPont CEO leaving, Alan Coleman. It's, it's always good to, um, to provide that information so people know what's, uh, what's going on. So um, we want to get into our multitasking discussion here. And again, um, you know, when we always talk about how do we do this or how do we do that? So how do we multitask? It's one of the, probably the most difficult things, as is networking. And I like to take on challenges like this to talk about it. So I always like to start out with a definition to really kind of say, okay, what is, you know, in this case, multitasking? Uh, so for me, multitasking is handling and balancing multiple tasks at the same time effectively, ensuring they get done. So again, multitasking is handling and balancing multiple tasks at the same time effectively, ensuring they get done. And I think the reason why I focus on that definition is because as I worked in many corporations, um, I, I cannot stand how we see the common problems of multitasking. Everybody's got this busy work. Uh, everyone's busy running around. We're busy bees. We don't have time. We don't follow up. We don't call people back. Um, and I, I'm always under the same busy equals broke because if you're busy running around doing stuff and you're not getting goals done and you're avoiding people um, companies just aren't productive, and it's going to lead to to layoffs and financial problems within companies. Uh, and I see it all the time at managers and directors. They tell their employees to focus, and everyone runs and goes to meetings. They go to more pointless meetings, and then you know basically what happens is you don't get stuff done. So everybody's running in 16 directions. You've got tiger teams that are set up, and then crisis teams that are finally set up. And, and what what good is that going to do? It doesn't really do anything. And it's really just to me, it's like I think we set people on a on a um, feel like, you know, if you ever saw the Energizer Bunny commercial where they wind it up or it's like a wind up down, you just let the thing spin. I feel like that's how we are in corporations. They let us sort of uh, wind up and then spin and we go all over the place and we're not focused in anywhere. And then I think in the last couple of years, there's been this really kind of interesting um, shift to what people are calling as layering, where you kind of, you work out and you actually read your email and it's promoted. And, you know, if you're at lunch, you're basically having a working lunch and in that I could kind of see, but if you're working out, how the heck are you going to really read emails on a, on a smartphone device? Or I've seen people have laptops on, on treadmills. It's insane. You're going to damage goods. You're going to drop your phone. It's going to break. Um, and you just can't do something like that. And, and there's also layering that's going on where people are now trying to bring in similar types of things. And the corporations are spending all this money on training people, how to bring in similar tasks and put them together and spreadsheets and, you know, fancy, um, let's say, internet uh, documents and things like that, and then it gets layered together and you try to solve it. It's not going to work. It, it, I've, I've tried that. It doesn't make sense. You've got to attack things one thing at a time. Sure, you can handle multiple things, but you've really got to set 
a lot of different parameters. And, and you know, when they say you put these similar tasks together, no, because you have a similar task for one department, it's not necessarily always going to be the same thing for another department. It, it just really doesn't make sense. But, you know, I could see chunking some things together and kind of organizing, but, you know, putting tasks together and trying to work on them together and you just don't, you have different audiences, and different people. So it, it really just doesn't work. So I think ultimately, um, I always start with one question with multitasking, and this has really gotten me um, very far and able to be um, very, very successful. But when you start with these questions, and what I do is I ask, are these tasks, projects, and action items necessary to the immediate and overall success? I mean, think about that. So if you say, are these tasks, projects, and action items necessary to the immediate and overall success? Um, does that actually, you know, really work in this case, if you're looking at a project? I mean, you have to honestly answer that. And if my answer is no, um, I put them on the back burner. Because to me, if I can't say, hey, these are necessary to get completed, I'll put them on the back burner. And sure, I might have to negotiate with my boss or a manager or something. But ultimately, you know, you've got to make sure you prioritize things. And if it's yes, then I focus on goal setting. And so we move into sort of the goal setting area here. And you really have to always know where you're going, especially any kind of project. I don't care what it is. If it's a task, if your boss says, hey, go, you know, find this person, go do this. It's a one-off task that may take you five minutes. I always set a goal and you have to. What's your outcome? You know, what's your outcome of that goal and how does it work? And as I said, you have to know where you're going. You got to set goals daily, weekly, and monthly for these projects and, and milestones are key. So many people just you know, go and write it out and wing it and say, oh, okay, this will work. I'll figure it out. No, you got to set goals you know, daily, weekly, you got to hold people accountable and you got to follow up consistently because nobody follows up anymore. You know, or if they do, it's very lax and it's just kind of a, uh, what I call an air response where it's like, oh yeah, I'm working on it. I got gotcha. you. I'll, I'll get to it. But um, yeah, for me, it's always got to make sure milestones. And if anybody works for me, you know, um, I make sure you've got goals set daily, weekly, and we're calibrated. We're meeting a few minutes a day. And then we've got the milestones. If we don't meet the milestones, then we got to have a meeting on it. And I hate to do meetings, but you got to come together and figure out, okay, how do we solve this and get this project you know, back on track? And I think what I also hear too is when people say, oh, you know, I'll get it done by Friday. You know, that's the typical response. And I think this is one of the single most things that gets people into trouble with, um, with multitasking is, you know, you, you come into a meeting on Monday. Oh, yeah, I got this. Oh, yeah, Bob, go take care of that. Sure, I'll take this. And you get three or four action items. Oh, you know, we'll, we'll get these done by Friday. No. You've got to be very, very realistic. And that is a dead wrong answer, in my opinion. And, you know, if it's something that doesn't seem non-critical in a meeting, I'll tell people, give me a few hours, look it over, uh, give me some time, I'll come up with a reasonable time frame. And to me, if people aren't that reasonable, then I'm not going to work for them or you shouldn't work for them. That's unreasonable because you have to have a few hours to kind of look into something. You can't, can't just say, hey, here's a task that we need to get done, unless it's something that's a routine task and you already kind of know that you need to do it. But ultimately, if, you know, you've got somebody saying, hey, you know, I've got this this task that needs to get done, we commit to, oh, I'll get it done by Friday. Sure. What's your boss going to say? Oh, absolutely. That's great. No, you got to figure out it might take two or three weeks. And I've had that happen where I said, oh, sure, I'll get it done by Friday. And then what's happening? Friday at five o'clock, you're trying to get out and you're working until six, seven o'clock on a Friday night. And then your weekend starts off crappy. And then you come home with a shitty attitude and it's just, just not good. So um, I always say, be very, very realistic with your time frames and deadlines. Um, and sure, there are times where things are very critical and you got to jump in right away. And that's fine. If it's a crisis or you know, a system is down, you just jump in. Uh, but if you know it's going to take some time and it's not this critical thing that has to be done the same day, then you definitely got to communicate it. So I think when you look at that, um, it really kind of goes hand in hand to my next point, which is time management. 
And time management is is really a, a very important area, I believe, here too. And as I talked about, sort of being realistic with your timeframes, uh, same thing with time management. You've got to schedule time to focus on this stuff. Because so many people, what they'll do is they'll put a meeting on a calendar and get people together after a meeting. You know, you come in, let's say Monday afternoon, your boss says, hey, we got these two projects, you know, our, our senior VP needs this done. And how many people hear that? You know, senior VP needs this done by this date. And everybody starts to run and scramble. Oh, yeah, we'll go have lunch and then we'll go set up the meeting. And then for three or four hours, you're sitting in a conference room getting nothing done, bitching and complaining about it. And you're not really focused on it. So I always say to people, if you are assigned a task or project, you know, when I say, hey, give me a couple hours to figure it out, I at least need an hour to kind of digest it and understand what's going on. And you have to be very realistic and be very bold and hard with that. You know, there's, there's nothing wrong saying, hey, look, I need a minute. I need this. I need to get done some research on this. Give me this time. And as long as you do that and you follow up and by five o'clock or whatever time it is, you're good to go. But you do have to give it its proper attention and focus. Because if not, like I said, you get everybody into a conference room, it's going to be a bit session. And then, you know, the next day comes, it's Tuesday or Wednesday, and you have nothing accomplished on it. Um, and also too, with time management, you've got to sit down each morning and plan the day. And so many people say, oh, I'm running late. You know, I got to take the kids to school. I got to do this and that. Well, you know what? I'm sorry. In this day and age, responsibilities are very critical. Got to get up early before the kids are up at home. And you, you know, we all have laptops. We can be connected to the internet. Very simple to be connected to your work environment. Got to get before 30 in the morning and a half hour and do some planning. So be it. Or you got to stay up late and do it. That's your responsibility. You know, we're all adults here and we've got to do that. And I see so many people, you know, come in, you know, they get their coffee. And then by the time 930 rolls around, they're just starting to roll. And, you know, if I'm in the office, I'm using the office by 637. I've already got stuff done. I'm on the train working. And there's nothing wrong with that. And yeah, it might sound like a workaholic, but if I sit down and plan things out properly, at least I can attack the day very good. I know exactly where I'm at, what the project status is, because my boss may come over my desk. He might be in early and say, hey, what's the status on this? Or did you get that done? And you want to be as sharp as attack with that stuff. And yes, it does take some planning and some work, but that's that's one of the characteristics of the most successful people you'll see is that they plan and they proactively plan. And I also do, and I've seen people do this, I do a Sunday plan. And I don't believe a lot of people do this, but I'm telling you, it, it goes such a long way to plan your week. And I know Sundays in the fall and, and winter is football on. I love football. I'm a football junkie. I watch it. I get it. But I find that half hour to an hour every Sunday where it's early in the morning or late at night or whatever it is. Or if I'm watching the game, I'll, I'll you know have the kids on my lap or whatever, I have my laptop. And I'm kind of looking through, okay, what's coming up for the week here? You know, what's happening? What do I need to do? What, what are the big things that need to get done? And I can schedule things out. And if I have to bump meetings out there on Thursday or Friday, I'd rather do that than five minutes before the meeting. But you really got to, you know, know what's going on and you, you've got to plan out. So the Sunday planning thing works for everybody that works Monday through Friday, which is probably 80% of the people that listen or 80% of the people that are out there. You, you've got to plan. You know, you've got to plan outside of work and because it gives you a very good picture and you're out of that environment at your house and you can really see things more, much more clearly. And it's worked very, very well for me. But again, it's that Sunday hour time that you have to mandatory set down. You've got to be that pig-headed discipline where you take that hour, whatever time it is for you, and, but it's got to be 60 minutes and you focus and say, okay, what's the plan for this week? What are the key things to get done? And in some cases, you might be able to send some emails out there and save your time, save yourself some time. Whereas Monday morning, you come in, you're already orchestrating things very well. And I think also, too, what's interesting, I see so many people, um, they get so upset when they can't take a lunch and they get pissed off and, and they're like, I'm taking my hour lunch. And I've seen CEOs do this or, or executive management. I'm just absolutely stunned by it. And I'm sorry. You know, again, we're all grown adults here. And yes, I like to have a lunch and digest and, and sort of think a little bit and, and have some quality time to myself. But 
the end of the day, there's times where I go three or four days in a row where I have a two minute lunch and that's it. And that's life. You know, if you want to be successful, that's what people do. And, you know, if that's not for you, then, you know, it's okay to be mediocre, but uh, I'm not the mediocre type person, but successful people will sometimes have to do that. But sometimes you make it up on the back end. You take a two minute lunch, you know what? You've had a very successful week. Okay, cut out 15 minutes early. Beat the traffic. Beat all the people out of the elevator. You know, whatever you need to do, there's nothing wrong with that. It's all about prioritizing your time and really managing it well. Um, and, and kind of going hand in hand here with what we talked about with time management, um, I, I consider proactive planning an important step. And yes, I think it goes similar to it. But at the end of the day, I think it makes sense to have, you know, all this stuff together because, again, it's a little bit of redundancy. You've got the planning, but you've also got time management, proactive planning. But we all know that crises and urgent matters come daily. Let's face it, you know, you're an IT system goes down Monday morning. That's what happens. It was down overnight. Doesn't come back online. To, oh, email's down. Guess what? You're going to have angry, screaming people calling. So uh, things are going to happen. Outages are going to occur. Issues are going to happen where you've got to put down the pen and paper and work on another project. And I've had that happen. Happens seems to happen every week. And we all know this. And this is commonplace in the work environment. And this has been always commonplace where things happen. And we've got to set time to handle those fires. And if you don't, then you're just shooting yourself in the foot. And that's shame on you because I believe you have to really manage your time well and you've got to be proactive and not just show up and sort of shoot darts at a, at a blank board. Um, and I think an area, too, that goes goes hand in hand with all this is communication, which I call communicate it. Because uh, so many fail at this. And, and I've, I've done this, too, where I failed, where I don't communicate. But what happens is your boss says, hey, you got that done yet? And then, well, yeah, I, I need to get it done ASAP. So then you start dropping other stuff. Other stuff falls through the cracks. And then you got to send out um, communications to people. But you really have to send out proactive communications with status updates and check in with stakeholders often because what happens is a stakeholder starts to get worried if they don't see or hear anything. And then all of a sudden they start to imaginary say, oh, my boss is going to get upset. I need this now. So they'll come to you and say, well, you know what? I need this in the next little bit. And I've had that happen where I've been, I was a little loose on my communication. I said to my boss, you know, okay, you need a couple hours. Great. And then, you know, he didn't hear or see from me. And this was like nine in the morning and then three in the afternoon. He's like, hey, I need this by five. And guess what? You're pissed off and you're working until seven, eight o'clock at night. And the same thing happens the next day. Just, just not good. So um, I say you've got to very much be proactive in your communications here. You do status updates. Ensure there's some redundancy. And if you're in the same office, do drive-bys. You know, say, hey, John, just want to drop by your office here and let you know we're pulling the paperwork or we're doing this, we're doing that. And it's still going to take another couple hours. And boom, that communication is there and that guy's happy. And, you know, I failed at that too, where someone's asked me about a status update. But my thinking is here, where we fail and where it's a failure is if someone has to ask you for a status update, you failed. And let's face it, it's failure. It really is. And and again, there are people who are unrealistic where they'll email you and then they'll call you within 15 minutes and say, hey, you got that done yet? That's unrealistic. But, you know, if somebody gives you a product and says, hey, you know, take a couple of days, you know, okay, great. You know, work towards a deadline. You know, work towards it and say, hey, this is what we can do. This is what we're thinking. And ultimately, when when you do that, um, you've got the communication lingo going, you got everything moving, and then you start sending out your proactive communications. And I've even done it too, where somebody gives me a project or task, you know, in a Monday morning status meeting, 8, 30, 9 o'clock. And by noon, I'm shooting an email saying, hey, you know, just want to let you know on this project that you asked me to work on, uh, I've started the initial communications and I'll follow up with you tomorrow morning. Boom, you got it done. And, and even if still, sometimes it happens where somebody says, hey, I need this done now and it needs to be stepped up. Do the best you can with it. And if that happens, then that's definitely not on you. But as long as you're proactive with your communication, there's nothing, you know, that can you do or anything else than that. So um, I think another area, too, where we've really got to um, 
set our standards and set our expectations is be stern with your schedule. And so what do I, what do I mean by being stern with your schedule? Uh, you've got to be flexible at all times. Yes. You know, your boss is going to call you in. You got to say, Hey, okay, great. I got to drop everything, hang up the phone and go in your boss's office for an hour. But I would say, don't always compromise. You know, don't always give in. It's okay to actually fight for your right. You know, you've ever heard that, that song fight for your right to party by beastie boys. You know, I've always had to fight for my right or fight for my, my, view on things. And it's not saying that I'm in total disagreement with somebody or uh, I'm going to be a jerk to somebody, but you know, you've got to compromise a little bit, but yes, you've got to be stern with what you need and what you want, because if you're leading a project and you're letting people walk all over you, then it's never going to work. So I say compromise when you have to, uh, and especially in times of when your boss says, Hey, I need this, you know, be flexible there. But when you have colleagues that are peers of yours, it's okay to not be flexible and say, Hey, you know, we've got to stay in charge of this. And we've got to stay in charge of the task at hand. I can't give you an exception. You've already had two exceptions. Or, you know, if somebody says, hey, I need a couple extra hours. Okay, that makes sense. A couple extra hours and that's it. You need a decision or I need an answer. I need that fixed. Uh, so that's absolutely very key with being stern with your schedule and being in command of yourself. And sure, some people may seem, seem you know, that person to be kind of maybe the type of a jerk. But, you know, at the end of the day, you're in control and you create your own destiny there. So another point I think which really makes sense that we need to cover is uh, delegation. Uh, so many people do not delegate. And, and I'm, I'm, you know, somebody like that that forgets. You know, I, I'm the person who likes to put the Superman cape on, fly around saying, I got that done. I got that done. I get this done. And, you know, who doesn't like to be a hero? And it meets a lot of our, you know, human needs, our emotional needs. You know, you feel significant. You feel love. You feel connection. You have the certainty that you're on top of the world. But there are small items that you have that you shouldn't be doing, especially if you're in a management position. If you've got to pull reports, get a team member to do that. It's not wrong with that. It gets them something to do, and it gets them involved. How about that? It gets people involved, and then they feel part of the team. But you give small items to admins or team members, and again, it's very key to delegation. You've got to delegate stuff. And I made this huge mistake early on, You know, like I said, thinking I was Superman. And I would just fly around try to do stuff, and I'd work you know, 18-hour days, and I'd be burned out. And you will burn out and it will happen very quickly and you'll fall flat on your face and won't be a good thing. But, you know, as I said, multitasking builds good team character and helps others feel part of the team and they contribute to the team's success. So don't be afraid to multitask stuff. If it's small stuff, you shouldn't be doing it. Let somebody handle that. And then if you have other things you can trust somebody with, go ahead and give it to them and see what they can do. And if it's something that's not urgent or not a critical thing, let them handle it and let them do it. And it makes sense. And I think the last thing here with multitasking, eliminate unnecessary tasks. And we talked a little bit about this in the beginning about the BS stuff that goes out there. But to me, anything that doesn't help solve a problem or move the project's resolution, get rid of it. And we all have those people in the office that love to meeting us to death. And they want to call a meeting and, you know, we'll meet for two hours in your office. And then two hours later, we'll have a follow-up meeting. All right, let's status check meeting. Status check meeting at four o'clock. Status check at five. Okay, when you're on the road, six o'clock. Now, um, you have to be very, very stern in there. And it's okay to be a jerk sometimes with that. And you have to, because if you're going to be meeting to death or you're going to be in all these situations where you're being pulled and you've got these unnecessary things, you'll never get to resolve the um, the issue or task that you have or never be able to complete it. So um, I like to eliminate um, these unnecessary meetings. And I'm very stern with that. And I've actually walked out of meetings where Somebody's called a meeting. Oh, let's have a status update. Now, if I have nothing to offer, I don't need to be there. I got to get worked on. And I've said that. And people have respected that. And sure, it pissed a lot of people off in the beginning. But, you know, I'll trust me. When they start to see results and start to see you running laps on people, they'll come to you and say, what are you doing? Well, guess what? I'm not going to those BS meetings. And that's an area where you can cut down on time. And then also, too, you know, if you've got reports you need to run, see if there's a way you can automate those types of things or um, you know, again, as I said, if there's things that just don't make sense to handle this task or this project, 
get rid of it, shelve it. You know, it's, it's a low priority. Get rid get, get it going on the high priority things and that'll, you know, that'll make you win. So hopefully that kind of really uh, sums up sort of what multitasking is. And I felt really when we talked about networking, you know, these are really important topics in, in a career. Networking, obviously, last week is very important, but multitasking too. And and we're not even just talking here. I mean, we, we hit the scope of multitasking in a uh, job environment, but multitasking for your career development, you know, looking at different projects to do um, outside of work, like training and things like that. And then multitasking for you know, finding a new job, you know, multitasking in the sense of, you know, going on the job boards online, uh, finding out uh, how you can actually post and then actually uh, face-to-face networking right there. There's two different things that you're actually doing. So that's multitasking. So um, it's all about, you know, again, um, as we said, really setting a good definition, getting rid of a lot of the fluff and the BS that's out there, delegating, uh, doing your goal setting. Because if you really set your goals very, very well, and, and even if they're not perfect, so what? You've got some tangible way to go. You've got a path forward and you know where you need to go and you know what your outcome is. You'll eventually get there. And if not, you learn something very valuable and uh, you know you move the needle, you continue to move the needle forward. Because so many people just don't set up goals and they don't just take time to set themselves up for success. And if you do that, this will go a long way. So you know, I definitely hope that these um, that these eight or nine points really help you understand what multitasking is. Uh, we're just about out of time, but post any questions or anything that uh, that makes sense to you, and I'm happy to answer those. Um, and again, we are out of time. Well, it's hard to believe it's in 30 minutes. Uh, this is great, great topic. I love this stuff. Love you guys out there, and um, I appreciate you guys joining me. Uh, so join me next week for another weekly show. Find me at Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash Joe Wu fan page, Twitter at Joe Rychowski, Google Plus at Joe Wu.com. Thank you for all listening again tonight, and thank you for being a part of this journey. Good night, and live amazing, everybody.